you're listening to Ethosphere. Now here's your host, my dad. Thank you, Marley, my beautiful child, for that introduction. Poor baby was so nervous while we were making that. And hello, all my beautiful peoples out there. How are you today? Welcome to the Ethosphere podcast. As always, I am your host, Nathan Alex Arona, and I thank you for journeying with me today. On the show today, we will be exploring what it means to face the world head-on in your full power. Today's talk is part one of a lecture called Carrying Your Sacred Space, Learning to Navigate the World in Your Full Power. Let's begin. A hot dog vendor approaches a Buddhist at a baseball game and asks if he'd like a hot dog. The Buddhist looks at the vendor and says, please, make me one with everything. The vendor chuckled a little bit, carried out the task, and handed the Buddhist his hot dog. In kind, the Buddhist handed the vendor 20 bucks. The vendor put it in his pouch and begins to walk away. Hey, the Buddhist says, where's my change? The vendor looks at him, bows, and says, Oh, sir, who is one with everything? Real change comes from within. Okay, thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week. No. Chances are, you've heard that real change comes from within. I'm sure you've heard the term sacred space as well. Many of us think of a sacred space as a cozy little spot in the corner of our bedroom or some quiet nook located in the den. There are no lack of articles that will instruct you on how to adorn the area with items or content that induce a sense of calm, inspiration, and tranquility. So the idea behind creating a sacred space is to have a place for meditation, contemplation, prayer, and solitude. And when we enter this sacred space, it is our chance to quiet all of the noise created by the ever-droning 21st century. I personally have several nooks assigned around my house. Over the years, I have benefited greatly from having a contemplative space or a place place for meditation. But there came a point in my practice when I realized something really important. Sitting in the comfort of a highly manicured spot while meditating, that's all fine and good. But what about those times in my life, or your life, when we aren't afforded that comfortable luxury? Meditation and the cultivation of the spirit had become something compartmentalized and precious. In other words, my efforts had become more medicinal versus being an actual practice. Think about that for a second. This concept is going to guide us through our talk. Now, in true ethosphere of fashion, let's shift gears and shed light on our thesis. There is no escape from the wheel of life. It keeps turning no matter our efforts. All joy, all suffering, All that we know turns on the wheel of life. 2,500 years ago, a child was born to royalty in India. This child was born under the prophecy of a wise sage. This prophecy stated that the child would either grow to be a great ruler or a venerable holy man. Spoiler alert, a holy man he would become. Siddhartha Gautama, also known as the Buddha, was not born holy. In fact, his father was like many of our parents and wanted a life of wealth and success for him. Kept behind the walls of the palace, young Siddhartha 
was given every delight and indulged in a buffet of cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets or whatever the traditional cuisine was for children in India 2,500 years ago. His life was free from suffering, and this was by design. But of course, like anyone, Gautama's soul began to stir, prompting an earth-shaking, consciousness-rising event, an event that would change the world. On a smaller scale, this is reflected in what we learned on last week's mini-episode, or I guess it was a couple weeks back now, on the mini-sode with the canyoneer Aaron Ralston. The events of his life unfolded in just the right manner, tragedies and all, so that he could become an authentic, more complete version of himself. Siddhartha left the palace grounds and saw firsthand that life is suffering. The first thing the poor guy sees is a sick person, an old person, and finally a dead person followed by their weeping family. This would be enough to rattle anyone, especially if they have not built a sense of resiliency. This is exactly what I'm talking about when I mention the phrase, carry your sacred space, but we'll get to that in a little bit. After the initial dose of distraction and dissonance, the would-be enlightened one comes across an ascetic monk. It is at this moment that Gautama begins to practice the rigorous hell of asceticism. For six years, Siddhartha Gautama starved himself and abstained from worldly pleasures. It was on this path that he realized, unsurprisingly, something extremely fundamental and crucial to what would become his teachings. Suffering is inevitable, so starving oneself of earthly delights can only cause more suffering. Conversely, indulgence is a sure path to sorrow as well. How does this relate to today's talk? You heard me mention the wheel of life earlier, and this is an important metaphor to understand. If you look at our players today and what is an unfolding in real time on American streets, you find this idea of suffering and indulgence clashing in what can easily be seen as the United States going through growing pains. We are still a very young country, and much like the Buddha, our ideas have, they have had transformational effects across the globe. What I see happening, though, is this. You have the most prosperous country the world has ever known, a considerable amount of freedom, and truly a wealth of diversity. Yet there doesn't seem to be an underlying principle which unifies these themes together. But there, there very much seems to be a common denominator when it comes to the American citizen and the distribution of these three principles. And that is inequality, particularly income inequality. Avarice breeds apathy. What we are seeing in the streets is the accumulation of violence that comes from an extremely small percentage of people's accumulation of wealth. It's not exactly the same, but it's not unlike the French Revolution that had such markers as equality before the law, and of course the fabled saying, let them eat cake. The have-nots in the U.S. are realizing that substance living is a bitch. 
And no matter how hard they work in the distribution centers of Amazon just to eke out a living, they are never going to be Jeff Bezos. And those who have are long content in their greed because they have forever had the lower to upper middle class to pad them with euphemisms and platitudes like, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and if you get off your ass, you can make something of yourself. And I still believe that for the most part, this is at least in part true. The thing is, the Buddha realized that suffering is a basic foundation in what it means to be a human being. And this is being missed by both warring parties in the United States. Those rioting in the streets are on the same wheel of life as those in the 1%, only they're at opposite ends. The same goes for the political parties. Putting themselves at the far ends of the wheel leaves them far from center. This can best be explained by looking at the carnival ride called the Gravitron. On this ride, a person is inside a circular chamber. The person is standing and is essentially forced against the wall as the chamber rotates at a certain speed. And generally, the floor of the ride is lowered. And it's lowered during the duration of the ride because you will, you will not be able to move off of the wall even if you wanted to. But your body would like to move towards the center of the ride. Only it can't due to the equal force created by both the ride and your body acting upon one another. The Buddha is the center of the ride. He learned to stay towards the center versus trying to live within the forces of the world where we all get stuck. All right, you crazy kids. I'm going to stop our talk right there. I'll continue the talk next week. And in the meantime, try and move yourself towards the center of life, your life. Go out into the world and practice kindness. Kindness to yourself, kindness in your self-talk, kindness to others. If you feel others trying to force you against the proverbial wall, redirect them in a path that serves both you and them at your center. A place that you feel holds value and worth to you as a human being. Rehearse this if you have to. Rehearse what you might have to say. And this goes for those who are extremely blunt and those who have a hard time asserting themselves. Here's an example. Hey, you know I love you, but I just don't feel comfortable paying your rent this month. I've got things of my own coming up. And, you know, thanks for understanding. All right, you can make up something less corny, but you get my point. Just rehearse it, practice it. Make putting yourself in your fullest honor at the forefront. No matter what the scenario, the point is that it's that life is uncomfortable. Maybe the person gets mad at you. So what? No one should ever expect you to place their well-being before your own. Let them remain against the wall or give them the opportunity to share the center with you. One of the keys to carrying your sacred space into the world is understanding that you can be kind and caring while doing things that cause discomfort. Your power comes from how you choose to embrace these uncomfortable situations. Will you remain stuck and forced by the world, or will you practice kindness, practice breathing through it, and practice cultivating your center? Thanks for journeying with me today. I love you and peace be with you. Hey, once again, thanks for journeying with us today. 
I'd like to give a special thanks to my child, Marley, who's sitting here with me right now. She's the one that gave the introduction earlier that you heard, and I know that it was like really complicated, but this is my whole point. Uh, when I talk about carrying our sacred space and learning to live in that discomfort, so tell me, Marley, was it, it seemed hard for you to, to just get out those couple of lines, right? Yeah. So when we're doing stuff like that, doing stuff that's important to us, it's not always going to be comfortable. Sometimes it's just going to be downright excruciating. You know, it's going to be hard, but that's my whole point of carrying our sacred space out in the world. Things are not always going to be comfortable, but we can get through them. Right, Marley? Yes. All right. Thank you all so much for being with me today again. I know I say that a lot, but it's because I love y'all. If y'all have any questions, any comments, any off-kiltered remarks that y'all just want to get out to me, you can go to ethosphere.com and hit us up in the contacts. You can also just go straight to ethosphere at gmail and write me a response right there in the email. I love y'all. Y'all have a great week. I hope that y'all uh, got something from today's podcast. I'll catch y'all on the flim flam. Goodbye. Here we go. Say it one more time. Hello, you're listening to Ethosphere. Now here's your host, my dad.